Let's give God praise one more time to say thanks for what he's doing. It's amazing. Wow. It really is amazing. And I just thank you. This weekend, it just feels like a big celebration of what God has done and kind of the anticipation of what uh, we get to be involved in over these next few years. And we're really grateful for your love and care. I've titled this message today, um, just the power of one. The power of one. Now, if you've looked at the back of your bulletin, probably what went through your mind when you saw that title was the power of one person. You know, all the stats about one vote, one this, one that, and how it made a difference. While that is true, one person, it is significant. But really what, I'm, what I mean, and the umbrella for this message today is the power of one decision. The power of one decision. Because our lives are filled with decisions every day. And those decisions impact us, and they impact the world. And that's proven over and over in so many people's lives. And so that's really what I want to talk about. It's kind of like the starfish story. How many of you remember the starfish story? You know, and, and this story, lots of versions of it, but the bottom line is a little girl walking along the beach, and it has thousands of starfish lined up that the tide has swept in, and they're going to die if they don't get back out there. And she's going along, throwing, just picking it up, and throw, throwing it back into the ocean to give it life. And she's doing this, and someone walks up to her and says, honey, it's so nice, you know, what you're doing. And what you're trying, but there are, there are thousands of these. And really what you're doing isn't going to make a difference. With that, she took one more starfish and threw it in the ocean. And she said it made a difference for that one. Amen. And sometimes in, in my life and in the ministries we do in the kingdom of God, we don't always see this huge global change. But we see, I have seen firsthand with my eyes and you today, those little girls their lives are spared and totally changed because of you, one girl at a time. And we're going to keep living that, and we're going to keep dreaming that dream. Now, the first thing in your outline that I want you to write down, it's three words. They're not even real words, but you'll get it when I say it. Ready? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. How many of you have said that before? <laughs> woulda, coulda, shoulda. What would be the context that you would say that? It's usually after you made a mistake or you lost an opportunity or you thought, I should have bought that then when it was cheap or I should have invested here. And woulda, coulda, shoulda. We say that in light of history, what the decisions we made. I want to tell you a little story real quick about a guy by the name of Ron Wayne. Anyone heard the story of Ron Wayne? Uh, not, I don't maybe no one, but it's a fascinating story. You'll, you'll probably not forget this for a while. Ron Wayne was approached in, in 1976 by a couple of young entrepreneurs, one had the name Steve Jobs. And Steve explained the vision of starting a computer company called App Apple Computer Company. And Steve said, we need $800 just for a kind of a startup for this company. And Ron Wayne said, I will loan you the $800 for 10% of your company. Steve said, that's a great idea, perfect. They signed the paperwork, all is well. How many of you know where this is going? <laughs> you think you know, but listen to what happened. Matter of fact, that, that's, that's Ron Wayne. This next picture is actually the logo. Ron, actually, this was the first Apple logo, and Ron is the one who designed it. And what it is, it's hard to see because you're far away, but it's, it says Apple up here, computer company, and this is actually supposed to be the Garden of Eden, and this is the tree of knowledge. 
and this is an apple that's shining, and it's someone who's going to eat a, a bite of that apple to give them knowledge. That's the, the current logo that you're aware of today for Apple Computer. Eleven days, eleven days after Ron Wayne signed the paperwork, he came back to Steve Jobs and he said, "I'm really fearful that I'm going to lose my 800 bucks." And I can't afford to lose that right now. I've got some other things going on. So I want, I want to give the 10% of the company back and I want my $800 back. Steve Jobs says, okay, that's fine. And that's what they did. $22 billion is what 10% of Apple would be today. I didn't say million. I said b -b 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 billion. 22 billion. Now, as I share that story, it's not so much the money because you could invest 800 and lose it. So it's not, you know, everyone takes a chance in investments. But the, the concept that I have, and I want to share with you, and that illustrates it so well, is every one of us in this room, we have opportunities to make investments in the kingdom of God in so many different ways. And I don't want any of them to slip by me. I don't want to have my head in the sand or be having a bad day or not be aware when that opportunity is right in front of me. I am so happy. I mean, I can't even tell you how thrilled I am that as a church, we're going to stand before God and we do not have to say, well, God, it was too hard. Well, God, it just cost too much money for those little girls in India. Well, God, we just had some other things going. We as a church are going to be able to stand before God and say, we did what you put in our hand. And you guys, I love that. I love that for God's sake, the kingdom's sake, and for your sake, that we're in a journey together that truly is making a difference. I want to read this passage to you out of Luke 4. It's the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he makes this incredible statement. It has everything to do with the poor and the oppressed. Listen to the heart of Christ. Luke 4, verse 16. When Jesus came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. By the way, this is a prophecy about the Messiah, who is Jesus now reading this. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. The Son of God came to earth to do these very things. When we do what God has promised to already bless, why wouldn't he help us do those things that are kingdom of God things. So as a church, our biggest, our biggest goal as individuals, we need to constantly be really aggressive about doing the stuff that God came to do, right? The, the second thing in your notes is this. I want to give you three little simple things. The first one is simply care. Simply care. It doesn't cost money to care. It's amazing. Usually when you care, you're not afraid to give. But the heart is, what's going on inside of your heart? One of my favorite verses as it relates to injustices is, is in, in James chapter 1, verse 27. 
It says, pure and genuine religion or faith in the sight of God the Father means caring. That's a huge word. means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. What a combination. Here's the question I have for you to ponder. Just think about this for a minute. Do I care about the things that God cares about? I've really been thinking about this. I actually made a little list in my study the other day, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that one, I think God cares about that, and I really care about that too. I think, yeah, I think God cares. No, not so much. I don't, God, probably you don't care about the Broncos, do you, honestly? Probably not. Uh, You know, so I'm starting to ask this question. How much of your life do you have in common with God? Like who you are. I read, I read the most fascinating story in National Geographic. It's either this issue or the, a month or two ago, but it was on, on identical twins. Did any of you see this article? Okay, some of you did. Wasn't that fascinating? Uh, there's just one story out of many that they had in there that I want to share with you because it, it's mind-boggling. In 1939, two twin boys were born in Ohio. And this part's sad. They were adopted by separate families that had never met and would never meet. Okay, it ended up at the end of their lives they they met, and they're still living today, to my knowledge. But both of the families named them, these two boys, Jim. Both families had a dog that Jim named Toy. Both were 6 foot, 180 pounds, which makes sense because that's physical, DNA stuff. Both Jim and Jim married women named Linda. They both divorced Linda and married women named Betty. How weird is this? Both of them had sons and named their sons James Allen, one with two L's and one with one L. Both worked part-time for the sheriff's department. And I wasn't going to tell you this one, but it's just still fascinating. Both smoked Salem cigarettes and drank Miller Lite beer. (laughs) I just thought... How bizarre is that? Not even knowing each other, never having even met. What is that? That's genetics. That's DNA. And it just just caused me to spark up when I was reading this story to say, how much of that DNA, how much genetic stuff do I have of God in me? Where I don't even know that smile comes from God. I don't even know that attitude is godly. But because I have been, quote, born again. My mind has been renewed by the Spirit of God. Suddenly, I have this DNA piece where godliness can come out of my temperament. It can come out of my attitudes, and I might not even know it's related, but it's stuff that God cares about. I want to have that stuff in common with God. The third thing in your outline is simply dare. Not only do we simply care, but then we, we dare to try. We, we take those steps of risk to say this won't be easy, but we're not going to shrink back from the stuff God calls us to do. I think one of the, the most heroic stories we have in the Bible is Jesus telling this story in Luke 10, verse 30. We call it the Good Samaritan. Remember this story? Let me read it. Jesus replied with this story, a Jewish man, which is really significant because they hated Samaritans. Samaritan hated them. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along 
But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where they took care of him, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time. What a story. This guy was daring to make a difference when it was not comfortable. This story, he cared. He got involved. He went out of his comfort zone to a place actually of pretty serious inconvenience. It changed his schedule, his plans. He paid the bill. He followed up. Wow. You know, it's powerful to me. It's one thing to pray for someone. It's another thing, and even better, to pray for them and do something about it. I'm, I'm amazed. The statement as a kid, how many of you remember this? I dare you. And what's the big statement that comes after that? I double dare you. Yeah, exactly. Well, I feel, like, I feel like this is like a double dare weekend where we're saying, will we? I know of three families right now in our Timberline family who are pretty serious about selling their homes, moving to Guatemala, and another one to Haiti to be full-time missionaries. And I'm like, well, can we talk about this? <laughs> I'm kind of freaking out. But God is impressing on their heart that there's a mandate on their life for something they can't fully understand at this time. And they have small kids. It's, I mean, this is not like some retired couple who says, let's take a two-year vacation. This is hard work. They're saying, we'll find a way. Number four in your outline is simply share. Not only do we, we care, not only do we dare, but we also share our lives, our gifts, the things that God has given us. When I look at Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, it's, it's a really great verse, and it gets right to the point. You like things that get to the point? I do, okay? So look how simple this is. And there's five verbs, and I like the, the action of these words. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. When I, when I looked up these verbs, learn to do good is simply meaning give yourself to the disciplines that it takes to get it done. Seek justice. That means to passionately pursue, to run after. Help the oppressed. This means doing, giving, whatever your gifts are, you will use them for this cause. Defend the cause of orphans. Defend is an aggressive word that means to actually speak up, to reach out, to get involved. And then the most fierce word, fight. Fight for the rights of widows. It means to literally, physically engage. It means to be relentless, to take it up on yourself. Wow. I mean, these are action words. You guys, when we do these things, we are doing the work of God. We're doing the work of God. I want to tell you some goals real quick before we hear a song. Steve Gowing and this team is going to come and sing a song. And Steve Gowing, he used to be our worship pastor here. He grew up here. Ray and Lee Rose Gowing, his parents, and Mel, his sister. So it's so fun to hear him sing again. I'm thankful. Um, and I want you guys to come on out and get set up. But let me just give you three things. Because UCount's vision is to do uh, three things. Something local, something regional, and something global. And here's what they are for these next couple of years. First of all, we're going to work with uh, a... Uh, homeless gear. 
which is leading the way in, in especially Old Town, Fort Collins. Uh, they're making breakfast bags. Homeless teens are the most vulnerable community targeted by traffickers in the United States. And many of you probably won't believe me when I tell you this, but I'm telling you it's a fact. We have homeless teens right here in Fort Collins, more than you think. So we are going to put these breakfast bags and help pay for this. And, and the residents of that, when, when the homeless centers in our community overflow, we're going to be there to bring these breakfast bags. That's something physical and tangible. Another thing we're real excited about is partnering with what has been called Sarah's Home. A house has been purchased and partly donated in Calhan, Colorado, which is between Denver and Colorado Springs. This is where some of you are going to get physically involved because we're going to go remodel this house. We're going to prepare it as a, as a home for trafficked uh, uh, young people, trafficked teenagers right here in the United States of America. And I guarantee you we're going to hear a lot of incredible stories over these next few years because of that. And we want to help pay for that and we want to get involved in it. The home of hope in Kolkata, India is going to remain our focus in the global sense because we've partnered with uh, Ambika. She's a great lady. And we said to her, Ambika, what's next? She said, well, we have to furnish this home. It's built, but we've got to furnish it. And it, we, we, you think about putting tables and, you know, bedrooms, beds, and all the stuff that's needed for that 120-some people. It's a lot. And I said, give me a number. We've got to have a number. And, and she estimated about $88,000. And I said, I think we can do that. <laughs> so sorry I opened my mouth again. But how many of you believe with me? We can do that. If you look at just the people in here in our Windsor campus, it's about 15 bucks a person. We can do it. And, and some of you could give the 88000 So we'll start with you. Stand up. <laughs> some of you probably could. But that's just for our global project. We're going to need other funds for this house. So I'm not embarrassed to talk about money. This money doesn't stay in Timberline. This is a funnel. This is how we do stuff that God cares about. And be a part of this. If you've never given an offering, today's the day. I'm serious. This stuff matters to God, and it's his heart. And here's what I want to say. Well, I'll talk about that later. I want you to listen to this song. This song, God of this City, was written in a unique setting. And I just need to set it up. Because a band from Belfast, Ireland... Um, we're on a missionary trip to Thailand. Thailand has huge sex traffic uh, industry there. Uh, there are over 30,000 female prostitutes over 18. Who knows how many under. Well, they were going around to some of the clubs, non-Christian clubs, offering to let their band play in the club and sing songs. Now, because of the language barrier, um, they were singing Christian songs and singing Jesus over these those sex workers and these girls, and they didn't care. They just wanted the music. And so they were invited into a club. I've got the name of the club here, the Climax Club. And they started playing Christian music and singing Jesus over these girls. And one of the people in the band felt the anointing of God come over him, and he started singing out these words. It's a song you know now called God of This City. And they spontaneously began to write this song as they were playing it. You're the God of this city. You're the king of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. As Steve sings this song, the words are going to be on the screen so you can think about them, so you can be aware of them. You can feel free to ponder those words as he sings it. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you are the God of this city and every city on the planet. Thank you. 
trust that. As you pray, as your heads are bowed, I just, I wanna pray for some of you who today you've walked in here maybe not knowing a thing about any of this, but there's a reality in your life that you are not connected to God, this God of this city, and you want to be. There is a way you can be. It's called faith. And you invite Christ because of your faith in what he's done to be the Lord of your life. Some of you maybe have never done that. You've never taken that step, but something of the Spirit, as God prompts you, that's the Spirit working in you, and you know you're separated from God. I want to lead you in a prayer. I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to come up here. How many of you know you're separated from God, and today you have the faith to trust Him with your future? Hold up your hand, and let me just pray with you. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. You can put them right back down. It's just it's between you and God. Okay. Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It doesn't You don't have to say these exact words, but take these thoughts and put them in your own words, okay? Lord, I come to you right now because I know I'm separated from you. I feel that. I am asking you for forgiveness of my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me and rose from the dead. And I want to give you my life. And I want to thank you for my salvation today. I give you my future by faith. I believe in you. Secondly, I want to pray for some of you. This is really hard, but you've walked through some kind of abuse and it might be sexual. It might be emotional. It might just be oppression or depression that's creeped into your life. And how could we have a weekend like this and not pray for those in this room? live under some type of injustice or issue that's taken place in your life. And let me just say, if you've already buried that and God's walked you forward, don't dig it all up today. But for those of you who need healing, I want to pray over you. You don't have to raise your hand, but if you feel prompted that you'd like to, would you lift it now, please? Lord, thank you. We ask you in this moment through the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus that you will cleanse the heart mind, the body of every person who needs that specific cleansing. You are a God who can do that. You understand abuse and injustice. We accept that by faith that you will touch us today. Lastly, I want to pray, Lord, over this church, your church, your kids. We're all here trying to figure it out. Thank you that we can assemble together freely like this. Thank you that we're in a nation where we can have projects and make goals and raise money and make a difference. Thank you. We pray and I pray over every one of us that we will make one decision at a time every day that will make someone's day better. Help us to do that every day. The power of one decision that can change someone else's day. I thank you in Jesus' name. Man, love you. Let's stand together. Would you join me if you're able? I want to just walk out of here with reading a scripture. And in a moment, our prayer team, if you guys want to come now and be ready to pray with people, if you want to pray with someone, if you prayed to accept Christ today, we have these packets we'd love to put in your hand. You can read it when you go home. It's just a way to get started. But this is out of Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. Read it with me. It'll be on the screen. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. This is God talking. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. 
Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Lord, may it be said of us that we will do what you have commanded and we will do it with joy. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Go do some shopping.